0: Welcome to Warp Zone, a podcast on sci-fi, philosophy, religion, politics, gaming, and anything else taboo. Yay! Hey, taboo! <laughs> Woo! We're going to do that every time. Yep. Yeah. I'm Ben Banatic. I'm
1: Tara oh. Smith. Welcome. Episode three now. Episode
0: three. And we are recording here at Sydney University, uh, in one of the darkest rooms on campus.
1: Yes. And we have a new microphone. So yeah. hopefully the sound quality has improved.
0: It's a blue nano. Yeah. Which is good. And it seems like the testing has worked.
1: Yeah, I think it's good.
0: Mm-hmm. So our dulcet tone should come in loud and clear.
1: I hope so, because each time Tom complains that it's not quite right. So hopefully he's happy. Are you happy, Tom? Are you happy now? <laughs>
0: <laughs> Thomas O'Malley's like meowing at home no, in happiness. Meowing. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, all right. So um, today we are going to be looking at Temple OS, a um, a new operating system that was created uh, completely by one person, mm-hmm. and we are also reading The Axolotl by Julio Uh but before that, what have you been doing?
1: Well, I went to Katoomba on the weekend. It was really bloody cold. I forget how cold mm. the mountains are until I was there and basically froze to death. Uh, I'm glad I don't live there anymore. <laughs> um, Did it rain when you were there or
0: was it just cold?
1: It was just cold and windy and... Well, we were looking after three dogs, and all those three dogs wanted to sleep on the bed. And so basically, I tried to go to sleep with Tom, but the extra body, like there wasn't room for me. <laughs> so basically, oh. I had to go, I went and slept on the couch. Oh. Yeah. yeah. So I was, uh, I just decided, because the dog was just walking around the bed, like like kind of whimpering, oh, so yeah. I had to yeah. leave. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: yeah. So you I needed felt, a space. felt bad. So I didn't sleep very mm-hmm. well, but uh, now we're back home and that's been good. Um, met up with some friends, mm-hmm. saw their um, landscaping it was looking very good, they're doing it themselves. Mm-hmm. And yeah, i was telling my pigeon story. So I like pigeons. I actually really like pigeons. I think that they're like, they're wholesome mm-hmm. birds. They just go about their business, the little head bobs, uh, I think they're kind of cool, you know? Yeah. yeah. So anyway, I'm walking, I finished work, Tom came and met me and we're going to go home. Uh, he was going to go up to Katoomba, this was on Friday. And I like see these people kind of like looking at something sort of on the this like where this tree is and i have a look over and i see this pigeon and i'm like Oh my God, what's that on its head? And I thought it had like a perfectly shaped tiny little helmet. Like someone had crafted a little helmet for the pigeon. Mm-hmm. It was so cute. And I was like, oh, Tom, is that like it's got a little helmet on? And he's like, no, that's its skull. So it had basically been like de- gloved but wow. on its head, but still alive. Cause these, like, these birds are like indestructible. Right? Yeah, yeah. And so I was like, wow, wow. Okay. So it's its skull. It's obviously, it's like suffering in pain. Mm. And people just kind of like walk, roaming around, just like looking at it. And I was like, well, we can't do that. So,
0: We'll... So was it just sitting still, or it...? Yeah,
1: sitting still, but then Tom told me its jaw had also, like, split, like its beak had split. So, was, like, basically its chances of recovery were pretty slim. Yeah. And Tom was like, do you want me to just wring its neck here in, like, the plaza? I'm like, probably not. So we decided not to just, like, <laughs> kill it there and then.
0: We should give context. Tom is a, a vet. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So um... he's, like, yeah, he's not gonna <laughs> just walk around and ring. Yes, yeah. Well actually he probably, he probably would, would yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> um anyway, so we called a vet and we took it and the vet was like closing in like ten minutes and mm. we're like, Can you, we just bring this pigeon over and you put it down and they're like, Oh, we're about to close I'm like, Well you're either gonna do that or my partner's gonna like kill it in front of every, all these people and it's gonna be pretty like <laughs> pretty bad. So mm. we anyway we took it over and they euthanized it and um we just like put it in a towel and carried it over. And it was flake, poor thing was like, yes, whole jaw had like fully split, and oh, that's all like, not good. It's, yeah,, and I thought it was a cute helmet, <laughs> like that it was like a little pigeon helmet, anyway, but it's it we put it out of its misery, and hmm. it got put down, uh, so that's my pigeon, sorry, vet uh, charge you, no, oh. they can't, it's wildlife, they can't no, I don't think so, they'd uh-huh. have to be a pretty mean vet to charge you, but yeah. here's a good tip: if you ever find a pigeon or uh, any other non native bird and you think it's got a good chance of surviving, just let it exist because the vet's legally obliged to put it down if you take in a, non-na- uh, a non-native a non species to a vet. So unless it's so, it's suffering and you don't think it will have a mm. chance to survive, I'd say let it r- keep going. But if you can catch it and it looks like it's suffering, obviously go put it down. But just be careful with what birds you take to the vet because it's an obligation. They have to put the pest species down. So
0: that's... Oh.
1: What? This is an interesting
0: thing. So, like... I, I've we've we've discussed this before, whether to allow animals to exist in the wild that aren't meant to be uh in that environment or not. And there's something that's came up, so when I was on council, um there's all these uh deer that yeah. are over the Razorback Ridge, um, near Picton. Um and they do actually all in all through the north ward as well, so all through the top of Oakdale, the Oaks up until Blue Mountains National mm-hmm. Park. Um, and then they wrap around all the way down to Oberon. So these, you know, herds of deer that just are, are, are you know, were brought here by um, our English settlers because they thought that it would be noble to hunt these these animals in the yeah. wild. So they just released them, um, let them do their thing, and now um, they trample everything. Yeah. And they're eating the foodstuffs of native animals. So... on. When I was on council, I, I suggested, you know, it'd be a possibility to actually get um, some of the shooters clubs to get rid of those mm-hmm. pest species um, and control it and release releases. Now that, lots of people are up in, in uproar about this because you've got the anti-gun people because, mm-hmm. you know, they're thinking on promoting shooting, which I wasn't. Um, you have the um, naturists people, so people that think that all animals should be share- safe no matter what. Mm-hmm. Whereas I think, um, sometimes you have to make a pragmatic approach, um, to, to animal and wildlife and such. Uh, and then, yeah. So you have this, this dividing line of everyone that was unhappy with me. Um, <laughs> yeah. couldn't please no, no. And that was, yeah, a, a good measure of my, my period on council actually. <laughs> yeah. Um, but you think that, the animals should be saved.
1: No, I just think it's often complex issues. Often mm-hmm. we don't know the best way to to deal with it. And it's the same with the cats in the urban areas that I'm wanting to try and get some legislation around promoting mm-hmm. the trap neuter release program. I don't think it would work in like wildlife areas. I, I don't know what the solution is there, but I think in urban areas where there's cats, so there's like three types of cats. There's like domestic, yep. then there's semi domestic, um, strays, and then there's feral. And so I think that there needs to be clear distinction between them because the ones that can live in the colonies and that they're semi-domesticated, they eat f- food that humans kind of leave, they're being fed or they're eating rubbish and stuff and they live close are very different to the kind of feral cats that are like roaming the bushland killing birds. Like mm. there's a distinction between the two. And so, you know, I've looked, read some papers that the culling, the amount of cats you would need to cull each year of those colonies is something like 50%. So each year, so it would be every six months that those cats, you need to go out kill cats and come back. Yep. And like it just it's not a viable solution whereas if you put in trap neutral release and and you do that slowly it's it's shown that it'll actually be more beneficial so i just think that these issues are often really complex yeah. and also like there's a um environmentalist from the states called um i think it's leopold aldo and he, he's a really interesting guy he was like Back in the day he would um, patrol all these national parks and their jobs was to kill wolves on site. So basically anytime you saw a wolf you were supposed to kill it because it was like gonna harm um, other animals mm. or humans. Mm. And then what happened is the deer, the deers just increased, increased, increased until they were just destroying the national park and he realized how important apex predators are as well. So things like a lot of the time we don't know what how the ecosystems work and and the balance that's sort of needed and so all the time when we're trying to fix um when things have gone unbalanced we often stuff it up as well so it's really difficult to quite to manage it um and also where do you draw the line because i mean kangaroos are native but they're still pests in er some areas and not others you know it's a difficult one
0: yeah yeah totally well the environment as as you say has been changed um a lot uh but yeah in in areas where you have national parks um I think there is a need to try and return it back as fast as possible to mm. um, what it was originally. The, the problem with apex predators in the Australian context and environment, though, they weren't really here. No. Um, so, uh, I mean, they, they were with Tasmanian tigers and such, but yeah, in Wollondilly, no. Either, in yeah. no. Um, so yeah, they, there is a need to, to remove them as fast as possible because you can't have possum and cat. It just doesn't... They don't really coexist. Mm. Um, except in Hyde Park, apparently, because <laughs> there's possums there that get angry if you don't feed them. Yeah. yeah.
1: No, it's. Good. And um, what else have I been up to? I've been watching a couple of documentaries. I think I watched. I watched a documentary by BBC. of Just an incel documentary that they follow three um, people that I guess incels. That's yeah. um, celibate. What is it? The first word in. Oh God. I Should have looked this up before. Yeah. It's something, anyway, something, you tell something. me. Yeah, yeah, I'll yeah. think about it. You tell me what you've been up to. <laughs>
0: Uh, well, okay, so I had the the best and worst day uh, in the last couple of days. So uh, Thursday, uh, well, Thursday ended not too bad. Mm-hmm. The shop and everything, it was all fine. Mm-hmm. And then Friday, um, I had to go to pick up some um, food, like chips and drinks for the store. Mm-hmm. Uh, which means Jody had to open the store for a little bit because we've got a new person that started and you know she's not comfortable and the manager Joe she's away anyway so there's all these these um, circumstances. Now bear in mind Jody works on her own in the store like two or three days a year. That's yeah. it. So she's not like it's our store together, but um, you know it's it's not really you know, something she's passionate about. And she doesn't know where. Well, it she
1: works full time as well. Yeah,
0: yeah, 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 yeah. So, but even if she didn't work with her, I don't think it would be on the top of her to-do list to work in a video game store. Um, But she's very accommodating and we are in the store together. Anyway, um, so I'm there packing stuff at um, the, the food supplier into, you know, trolleys and such. It's crazy there. Like, there's people like grabbing stuff out of the trolleys, and it's like a factory floor and stuff. Because
1: this is like the American snacks, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so, American this is not snacks. just normal snacks. This is like ah. special American, like Doritos. Yeah, and, and their
0: website is so terrible. <laughs> it's so bad. Because, yeah, I, I, I ask the staff to do orders all the time, and everything they order is always out of stock. So, I just have to then drive to Strathfield and just be able So It's easier just to. to yep. Sometimes with the business, you just have to do that. Anyway, um, I get a photo from Jodie. I'll show you. Oh, we'll do this live because I want I want your reaction. <laughs> so, Tara doesn't know any of this. I know. So, wait, Ben's been second. keeping all these sh- yeah, stories Yeah, to so himself. So, this is like... Uh, yeah. So, I, I get this photo, which is of the front of my store. And if you it's look... It's not open. <laughs> no, it's not open. But look at that down the bottom. So is that, that... What is that? So, the door... What we're looking at is the door of my store pushed in against the arcade machine oh no yeah so she couldn't open the store
1: why was it pushed in like that
0: well uh we thought someone would try to break in or something or we didn't know what the hell had happened so center management like this is over the whole day like security is there there's another photo of security trying to open the door so Um, someone
1: is like it's almost like something crashed into it and it's jammed it shut
0: that's what happened oh god the cleaner smashed into it and didn't tell anyone and oh, Jodie no. rocked up at 8.30 and, and couldn't it. get the door open. So now they had to force the thing open. And also, if you look at, the, like, the right-hand pillar there it has been moved an inch. So
1: Did it ruin the arcade machine?
0: No, the arcade's fine. Oh, We've okay. actually sold that. that oh, was, good. That's good. Um, but, yeah, so the cleaner, like, full smashed into the door, and it scraped the paint, and it's, it's... Yeah, so
1: it's not... It doesn't look... I mean, Ben can put the photo online, but it's hard to sort of see anything. But it looks like the door's just been pushed in maybe, like, half a foot yeah and so that it it kind of must have jammed it shut it's like a kind of see-through uh like roller door
0: it is yeah yeah yeah. see through roller. so it's just jammed shut completely there damn and she couldn't get in uh until like quarter past nine they forced the door in uh open and so that whole day was then me engaging with center management to try and get someone to come out to fix the door because it's not our fault it's the cleaners
1: because they reviewed the footage is that how they realized yeah
0: and they spoke to the cleaners and cleaners said no no we didn't do it Oh, really? And yeah, the guy from centre management's like, "All right, well, tell us what other vehicles were driving on the third floor of the shopping centre after hours." Like, well, they have look, a
1: vehicle they drive around. Yeah, yeah, like you know plane, the, like the the thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. um
0: <laughs> So then the cleaners admitted that they did it. So funny. Yeah. So but they, they know were... that there's full like full footage. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That's so funny. It's like <laughs> I don't know. Like, yeah, what? No, it wasn't me. <laughs> <laughs> um, Imposters. Yeah. Someone with a moustache, yeah. it was yeah. um, but yeah, so the cleaners have admitted. So they're they're gonna fix the whole thing, right? Yeah. right, which is good. But that was really stressful. In the meantime, um, we had this order from um, my pop supplier, mm-hmm. some pop culture supplier. And we've got one customer that comes in and buys basketball cards all the time. Oh, yeah. And we've done an order of all of the stock that the supplier has left of the basketball cards. Mm-hmm. So this is um, like two and a half grand worth of basketball cards. It's mm-hmm. a lot of basketball <laughs> That's cards. A lot. Yeah. Um, and uh, Star Trek lost the package. The box is gone.
1: What do you mean? It's Where gone. Did it go? They don't know. Are they going to pay you back?
0: Uh, well, that has to be claimed on insurance by our supplier. No. no. Is this the
1: same person that's stuffed you around with orders before? Yeah. Just, you know, yeah but really it's not It's
0: not their fault. But yeah, this is Star Trek. So Star Trek, um have said, yeah, no, nah, they've lost it. Happens sometimes. What so is they the lost box?
1: it at the warehouse or they lost it posting? They don't know. They, don't know. they
0: don't know. Well, they picked it up from the warehouse, but it's somewhere lost between me and them. And they were asking questions like, oh, what does the box look like? I'm like, it's a cardboard box. It's got you know icon <laughs> on it. Oh, okay, cardboard. What color cardboard? I'm like, cardboard, like brown cardboard. Yeah. Oh, okay, can you explain what color? like, it just, like <gasps> it's it's cardboard. Like, it, it was so frustrating. It was really, really bad.
1: But, like, what was that going to do? They're not going to be like, go, oh, that's it. must yeah, be that Yeah, part. that's like, right. I have like, yeah. a thousand boxes. Yeah, yeah, it's like, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. but so it's, So it
0: scanned in on that morning, and it just was not put on the truck uh, So for some cr-
1: Well, then wouldn't it be at the warehouse? I don't understand.
0: Yeah, it should be. It should be there. But they can't find it. No, they can't find it. So that's damn.
1: So that means your customer can't get their their basketball. Correct. Cards. Yeah. Are they it's, devastated.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That sucks. So he's ordered eighteen. Well, we ordered eighteen for him. He wants like lots of six. So I was like, yeah, yeah okay, I'll order order out all eighteen at once. Um, I just got off the phone to the supplier this morning, and they've got one box <laughs> from eighteen. So it's not it's not great. But,
1: so weren't they all in the same box? All the
0: no, no, all, the, all of those ones that they sent us is lost, but the supplier has one leftover uh, box that they can send me. Just no. one. Wow. It's not Can you good.
1: get it through a different supplier?
0: No. Really? Yeah, globally, done.
1: The, this, the Yeah,
0: 2018, 19, those Panini. Yeah, they're done, finished, all done.
1: Wow, so it's been a shit week.
0: That was shit. So is
1: there an upshot of this? Yeah, we're getting to the, the yeah, yeah yeah yeah. So that sorry. was the
0: real. That was it was the worst day. Was that the same day. Yeah.
1: So door broke, couldn't get in. Yeah. And now cleaners denying any culpability. Yeah. Capability. yeah.
0: And, and then the lost package, lost as, package as well. Uh, yeah. So it was not a good day on Friday. So it was really really bad.
1: Yeah. Just for the record, Ben's got some pretty bad history with all of the suppliers, right? Like, yeah. if the stock goes missing or they won't give you stock because you owe them money.
0: Yeah, yeah. Or yeah. delayed or then they get really antsy when it's the when it's the end of financial year, like we order through one particular supplier and <laughs> she's like, Oh yeah, but your 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 bill's gonna be due in two weeks. Can you pay that? I'm like, Well it's due in two weeks. I can just pay it in two weeks. Yeah. yeah. And they're like, Yeah, no. You'll have to pay <laughs> hey it oh. now. <laughs> so and you can't do anything, because right, yeah. they they're the ones that send it. So
1: kind of stuck.
0: It's real weird. Like yeah, some of them how they act is, is real strange. Anyway. The positive parts. The positive. Monday, right? Mm-hmm. So uh on the weekend I had the kids and that was really good. We saw went hunting dinosaurs, um, which is dinosaur exhibition <laughs> exhibition at MacArthur Square. Mm-hmm. Uh and then we went to Inflatable World, which like the name says. Everything's yep. inflatable.
1: Don't just go thinking that there's those cool things that sit outside tire factories that go up and down and wave their arms. No, there's no there, wacky so.
0: waving inflatable <laughs> the arm best. men. Yeah, they are. <laughs> no.
1: and they bend down at the waves like <laughs> 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 Up again. <laughs>
0: no, but this is for kids. It's like a big jumping castles and stuff. <laughs> those <laughs>
1: are for kids too. Those tire balloons.
0: They, what they are they going to do? Just look at it. Yeah, they're so a bit. good. Yeah. <laughs> Tara is a fan of those. Yeah. Um, yeah so, uh, so they, that weekend was yeah quite okay mm-hmm. um, I then decided that I should sit down and um, set some records so I broke two world records on the weekend Woo! yeah so columns two I'm now don't you
1: have a break from columns
0: uh, this is columns two. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> My mistake. <laughs> <laughs> I <Like, laughs> not want to yeah. mix those up. No, I was having a break from it, but then I decided that oh, look, it's a, it's a faster game. To how many play.
1: hours? Oh, did you? Do, what was your? How many hours did you play it?
0: Oh, only an hour. Oh, so so it doesn't have to be
1: one of those like seven. No, no, saga, it's, so it's okay. not a
0: long play. It's a like um as fast as you can getting a flashing jewel um. Okay. Con, so yeah, it's a thing. Anyway, um, yeah. So I got two old records. So that's, that's really good. Um, On I was the same having, game. What's the other uh, oh, One on the Sega Saturn and one on the original okay, arcade still board, the same which game. I've got it. Yeah, yeah. so I've got the same game, but different versions of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I set both of those records on the weekend, so that was great. You should um, be playing Tetris. I played Tetris a little bit as well. Yeah. <laughs> um, Also played Tetris Effect and then went to original Tetris. And I can understand what you said last week, that...
1: They really do, they will,
0: yeah. <laughs> worlds yeah the worlds apart. But if the control method, when you start getting used to the Tetris effect, like yeah, I keep holding, thinking I could,
1: I can move them, like flip them right to the end. Because the Tetris effect, you can move them and flip them, yeah, right the, to the end. They and, don't
0: lock in yeah, to that exactly. that bottom level. But in
1: the old school Tetris, like what I would find is they they stick to each other really easily. Yep. So as soon as it goes even near it's like it's yeah, stuck, it's and there's like yeah. dut, dut, That's dut, right,
0: yeah. Right, right. And then when like you like, you react to how it is stuck, yeah, you then. You're topping out, all the yeah.
1: Time. Pretty much, so I, I mean, I'm going good or I'm dead. There's no in between.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> like it's like you're getting lines, and then suddenly it's game over. It's really yep. hard to come back when you've made like yeah, one mistake. Yeah, you
0: have to not concentrate on that mistake and just keep trying, trying to play, play with yeah. your gameplay. Yeah, it's real hard. Because
1: um, everyone, the Tetris Championships coming up on Saturday. It
0: is Saturday. Yeah, Woo! yeah. So I'm gonna go. There's for still heaps of
1: tickets left.
0: There is, and we're a sponsor now, so this oh, is the good news. Yay. So Monday it happens. Um, Ben from 1989 said, uh, can you um, lend me a NES? And I was like, yeah, sure, if I can sponsor the event and give you a free mini NES too. And um, he's like, I'm um, denied. And then said, yeah, that's fine. So there's context to this. I've been trying to sponsor the event for a while. Ben's not the authority on it. So uh, it was actually. A Why
1: is it Ben the authority on it? He's is not it running history? it. No,
0: it's a CTWC event. Oh. Yeah. So because it's actually... So it's at
1: Ben's, it's at that 1989, but like right. somebody else is running yeah, the event. It's a sanctioned, special, um, yeah, classic
0: Tetris World Championship event. Right. So it needs to go through a thing. Anyway... It's very
1: official. Yeah, very <laughs>
0: official. So I am now a sponsor of the
1: That's so cool. So Australian, will, like, your name be someone? Yeah,
0: uh, Game Traders MacArthur Square is, like, on um, the stuff. That's like very cool. So everyone to...
1: has to come now, so because you're yeah. not just coming to support Ben or 1989, you're just coming to support Ben Benastic as well. Yeah, it'll be double Ben. Yeah, double Ben for the price of one. That's ben. right.
0: There's <laughs> there's many Bens. Um, so that happened. Yeah. And then um, we had a really good day at the shop yesterday. Like, so we, there was. Is
1: that where Rune did his magic? Mm-hmm. Sold, yeah, he, he
0: he told his magic cards, and then we also um sold the arcade machine at the front, which is a Street nice. Fighter one, which means I'm getting a Mortal Kombat
1: machine. Yay. I
0: like getting. It's the same type of machine, really, but I like... I thought
1: Viking you had also. a pinball machine, too, don't you?
0: Yeah, that got renewed. Actually, last week, there's been change of it. So, the Lord of the Rings, which yeah. didn't have the sound on it and yeah. uh, stuffed up, we now have an original Star Wars machine.
1: Oh, that's Yeah, cool. and it's a
0: limited version, and it's got the Death Star, and you've got to shoot the ball right at the end into the Death Star and blow it apart. Oh, that's cool. Tom would like good. that. Yeah, it's really good. The sound on it's so good. Mm-hmm. Um, so, that happened, and then um, I've got news that... Uh, I am entering into what is commonly sort of referred to as the Video Game Hall of Fame. Um, Ooh,
1: I have no idea. So
0: it's a a big thing. So um, Walter Day does these cards um, Mm -hmm. of um, video game personalities who Mm -hmm. give a lot to gaming and um, shoot above the norm. And there is a potential um, of me being presented one in Queensland in a couple of weeks. So, really? Yeah.
1: Who told you that?
0: The guy that's getting the information together. from. So Mark Bell's going to get one as well. Oh, so really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so, so will
1: your face be on a card? mm so, so, it's yeah. kind of like um, I've seen them do this for riders and stuff like that at events. Yeah. They'll give them out like collector like, cards. Yeah, like,
0: yeah, yeah, little yeah, collector cards with their information on the back of it. That's and so stuff. exciting. Yeah. yeah. So how,
1: gonna, how many people already have cards?
0: Uh, he's up to, so he does it in series. So it says it's three thousand, but it's not. So it's the thirtieth series of cards. Yeah. Um, and he does like lots of different cards, and he has a unique numbering system with them. Mm-hmm. So I. Honestly, I don't know how many video game cards there are, but yeah. there's also reprints of cards as well. Yeah. But it will have a number of 3,000 and something. Wow, that's so famous. That's, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll be in a list. That's really cool. Mm. Um, but it would be really cool just to meet Walter Day, who's the owner of, or well, was the owner of Twin Galaxies. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's got a really interesting story. So he, uh, um, he, had, he got really interested in collecting information. So he filled his house with newspaper clippings and stuff. And then... Mm. He was interested traveling around selling things about um, scores of arcade machines. Mm -hmm. So he opened up his own arcade, Mm -hmm. then he calls Nintendo, as you do, and just said, oh, what's the world record of this score? And Nintendo's like, we don't keep those records. We don't know. And he's like, oh, okay, hangs up the phone. And then half an hour later, he calls back. He's like, well, do you want me? to keep the world records. I can be the global scoreboard. And they're like, OK, yeah, all right, <laughs> we'll direct the calls to you. No worries. So then he calls all of the companies, since, you know, Namco, all these different mm-hmm. companies, and says, yeah, we're, we're going to be the international scoreboard. Um, you know, get people to call us. And that's how Twin Galaxies started.
1: How did they know proof in the beginning? Like, how did they know they did real? So he
0: was just, te- like, trusting people. And this is where a lot of the controversies come out, where a lot of those old scores, there's no proof to them at all. So they're being scrapped right. now. Because um,
1: if, if people can't even come close, it might be that it wasn't yeah, true, right? Yeah, yeah, or if... Or they're like if, a, a savant genius that can get, like... Well, some of
0: scores. them are yeah. physically not possible right, to yeah, actually okay. achieve. So they've tested some of the boards to yeah. see if it's possible to get those scores, and some of them aren't.
1: So if so, you're a champion at some of these old arcade games, then you should... How do you get in on Twin oh, You, you know,
0: just think? go register on twingalaxies.com, and then there's different ways... You
1: have to you prove have... it, right? Yeah, do little so, the yeah. yeah, Yeah,
0: so how I got the um, Columns 2 World Record on the weekend. I filmed myself doing it. And then I have to then change the camera angle and show the arcade board, Mm -hmm. show the dip switch settings, make sure that the board is completely visible as well. So yeah, you have to- There's all these different requirements, right? To stop people from cheating. That's right. And they try and set that bar so that you have an equal playing field. The problem is that you can reprogram boards and ROMs and all this different stuff. So there's still ways to cheat. Yeah, um, but it's the best system that we have.
1: Yeah. So well, far. that's exciting. Yeah. It's a few things happening. So it's been yeah. uh, a week of lows and highs.
0: Yeah, it was it, incredibly up and down. <laughs> uh, aside from that, I have been reading more about the Inquisition.
1: Oh yeah, for your work hmm. with Cal. Did you know
0: it's not just the Spanish Inquisition? mm Yeah, I knew that too. Yeah. I should probably start referring to it like just mm. as the Spanish Inquisition, uh, and. Yeah, playing lots of Tetris. Yeah, we... I've been trying
1: to play too and I'm really bad at it, so we'll yeah,
0: see. You finally set up the NES.
1: I did set up the NES, so I haven't just been playing Tetris Effect on my PS4. Mm. I set up the NES <laughs> day before yesterday. Yeah. And I'm getting better each time I play, so that's good, but I'm still only getting like 30,000.
0: <laughs> 30, 30,000's okay. Yeah, so yeah. I keep
1: trying. I think I'm that's... better at it than Tom, so that's made yeah, me. Yeah, I think so it's good. above average. Is it? Yeah. Well, we'll see. I think so. We'll see if mm. I can win any win any uh, trophies on the yeah. weekend.
0: My problem is... I. I play well when I'm not concentrating on the game. Mm. And being at the event I feel like I'm Oh yeah, because you be... like to
1: listen to philosophy. I heard Ben yeah. tell Ben uh, at nineteen eighty nine, he's like, Oh, I like to listen to that like, really complex philosophy while I'm playing Tetris so yes. that you know that that I can think on those things I would play. It just sounded like like a real kind of um
0: So no, congratulatory. It was, so,
1: it was, it it was a downplay. So I,
0: I don't wanna <laughs> listen to stuff that I know about. I wanna listen to stuff that I I don't know what the hell they're talking about. So Heidegger's going to be great. (laughs) So I'm going to listen to some Heidegger podcast where I'm going to not know what the hell he's talking about (laughs) um, and then be concentrating on that and then play well, hopefully, at Tetris. Whilst everyone else has got, like you know, their favourite music they're listening to and stuff. Um, So
1: if you want to come watch Ben talk, uh, listen to philosophy while trying to beat the (laughs) uh, championship at Tetris, come on down to 1989. It's on Saturday starting at 10?
0: 9. 9 a.m. So that's the registration. And then if you poll as or if you post a score on the top 32 players, you will then go through to the finals on the Sunday. Sunday,
1: that's right. Yep.
0: Which I am hopeful to get there. If you get 30,000, I think you'll get there.
1: We'll see. Last time we'll see. it wasn't, the competition wasn't fierce. <laughs> that fierce, was it? No, there, there w- was. like like five or six people that were really good, and then everyone yeah. else was pretty average. Yeah, yeah. I wasn't the think, average.
0: But. Well, I, I think I was average too. So even though I got second last year, it was. It was a fluke. Well, it was, yeah, due to the placement <laughs> of the side. Uh, like, I was versing all the amateurs on the that side, and i classify myself an amateur as well. Some of the experts were knocking each other off really yeah, early exactly. on. Yeah, exactly.
1: The way they um, did it wasn't great, but they're doing it differently this time. Yeah, You're so going to have all day to get your score, right? You have that's like right. yeah. 10 to 5 or something. Yeah,
0: and then you just have to post your highest score on the Saturday, yep. and then the Sunday it's knockoffs from there. But it's going to be person number one is going to verse person number 32. Yep. and you go down the list yeah, like sense. that. Yeah, makes sense. So the proper seeding that way yep. means that the better score you get on the th- on the Saturday, the easier it is going to be to progress through on the Sunday for you.
1: Oh, okay, that makes sense. Mm. Awesome.
0: Yeah. Um, aside from that, that's been about. It? Oh, I finished Stranger Things. Oh, yeah, me too. We mm.
1: finished. We're not going to give you any spoilers. No,
0: but it's good. It's a good season. Yeah. I really liked I, it. I liked it too. I liked the final episode the best, I think. Or well, the second final episode. Um, yeah, it's good. They're all good. Yeah. Um, we have some feedback as well. Yes. So.
1: Um, uh, we have a comment from our supervisor, Carol. She said, great second podcast, Tara and Ben. Really liked both the story and the game. Dystopian indeed that was cool mm. and we also had
0: uh john Pancini said that he's never paid played papers please uh, but he's familiar with it because he watched the playthrough on youtube uh which is where i watched uh, a lot of the endings and i think this is where john's next comment is coming into so i'd be interested to hear discussion from you guys on watching games versus playing games
1: mm. i think it depends on the game i quite like watching games when they're like adventure kind of style of games. Mm. I like watching that or like fighting games, but I don't particularly like watching arcade games as much because like I find watching Tetris kind of frustrating because it always looks so much easier than it is so you're yeah. watching someone and you're like going oh I hope they put it in there and then when they don't you're like oh why don't you put it there and then when you play it's like really hard
0: Don't you like the the competition style of Tetris? Oh that was yeah, fun would... but that was
1: like with a room full of people I think when you're just with one okay. other person like when Tom and I play when he plays I get kind of frustrated Oh right
0: like... sitting next to someone yeah, yeah okay right uh,
1: um, What do you think?
0: I, I enjoy watching high level play yeah. So I, I really like watching some speed runs, but I like watching um, high score attempts as well. Yeah. Um, some people find just watching high score attempts boring to watch.
1: No, seven yes. hours of you watching columns with, well, yeah, I don't with mean peanut it. on your lap.
0: <laughs> I don't mean watching like <laughs> no, that sort of thing, but, you know, watching snippets of it and seeing yeah. like that. I don't think that's a problem. As for watching like an adventure game, well, I don't think I've... I, I actually I have watched some early um, like sixteen bit RPGs, mm-hmm. um, and I, I think that that's fine. But it's a different type of experience. I think you get you get more invested playing the game, mm-hmm. whereas uh, when you're not playing it. So say Fire Emblem is a good example. Fire Emblem is a type of game which is a uh, um, it's a strategy based game, right? And you've got characters in there, and once the characters die in a level. They can permadeath, so they die completely. So you might get invested in a character, but then you'll see them just die off. Yeah. Now I find that really hard as as a player. Like, do I risk, you know, one of the the characters I've leveled up significantly mm. in battle, who might die? Or and sometimes like accidents happen, and they they will be wiped out. Yeah. But watching that game, I don't get as Invested, invested. yeah. I don't have that frustration, and I can almost enjoy storyline a little bit more mm-hmm. oh, I, th- I really think it's a um, circumstantial yeah it depends uh, on the game and yeah. when you're watching
1: it um, but I don't think I could watch like big like seven hour goes I find that stuff pretty boring but not many mm. people watch it all start to finish do they
0: some people do but it's a minority yeah it's a, a vast minority but uh, this is on on Twitch you'll see thousands of channels that are going every single day of different games that people are playing mm. and people are watching them
1: yeah but they kind of, do they tune in and tune out? So I think like, so. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's not like, you know, watching Lost or watching you know, Stranger yeah. Things so or people yeah. just sitting down and, oh, I, I, I'm going to watch this episode.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. Mm. All right, should we talk a little bit about, uh, do you want to talk about Axolotl or do we want to talk about Temple OS first?
0: I think we go for Temple OS. <laughs> yeah, because we've been
1: talking about gaming and stuff. It makes sense to talk yeah. about Temple OS. Um, so I think I found – I don't even know where I found it. I think I saw it on Reddit, someone mentioning Terry A. Davis, and I got kind of mm-hmm. interested in who this guy was cause, and the religious elements of um, his operating system. And then I sent Ben the Wikipedia link, and then Ben found a documentary, and then we watched it. And so we both got quite interested in this kind of very unusual guy called Terry A. Davis, who basically built – all by himself over, like, 30 years? Mm. A really long time. uh, An operating system in its most latest um, edition called Temple OS, which is basically, like... Ben had to explain this to me because I didn't fully understand I thought it was, like, something you could just do on your computer and and have it on, but apparently it's, like, as an operating system, it would replace Windows, so you wouldn't have Windows anymore. So it's a bit different. But it has all these different features where you can can do programming Mm -hmm. through it. It has... um, it has picture picture generations. It has games. Um, games it has uh, songs that it plays, and it's all in what bit? Eight bit. Well, don't know what
0: bit. This is. is the interesting thing. So it's it's a sixty four bit based processing operating system. Yes. Which means it's the same as uh, anything that comes after Windows XP. Yeah. Now, it looks like Commodore um, or you know early. Um, IBM uh, DOS operating system. Commodore, systems.
1: not being the car.
0: No. I but thought it was a metaphor. <laughs> like, <laughs> Did a, you? Yeah, like it's oh. like a beat up
1: Commodore, like. Ah no <laughs> no no, it's a, no
0: Commodore uh, is Commodore. a company so a okay. company that released um, early computers. So I, I play on the Commodore sixty four and Amiga. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so it's it's like looks like those sort of graphics or very early. Yeah, DOS GUI operating system, but it's not really a GUI, so it doesn't. So GUI is a a, um, graphical user interface where you've got the mouse or um, your index finger as the pointer, um, interfacing with the operating system itself. Yeah, this is a text-based operating system, but it's a menu text-based operating system. So it's got multiple layers. Um, The ingenious parts about it is that some of the processing power of the operating system actually sits with the CPU, so the central processing unit of the computer, that is not normally taken up by a regular operating system, so it actually mm. runs faster because of that.
1: That's interesting, um, and but it, it does look very basic when you look at. It, and this it does, is a lot yes. of um, criticism he had by other people on the programming, mm. like Reddit sub forums and stuff, was that uh, it never really updated. So after, over the years, it can't connect to the internet, right? That was a major issue, and also that the graphics, and everything look pretty
0: basic. Yeah, well, it can't even network. Yeah, it can't. so to go go back to the the uh, uh, connection thing. Yeah. There is no connection with the outside world or any other computers yeah. at all. No printers.
1: Right. I guess people so didn't can. really understand even what he wanted you to do with it. Yes. And what its purpose Correct. was. Yeah. yeah.
0: And his argument was that it's fun, yep. and that's the way it is. But he says
1: that a lot. Think, things should just be fun. Things
0: should be fun. <laughs> <laughs> things should yeah. be fun. Yeah. And I like elephants, and God likes elephants too. He yeah. likes elephants a lot. Um, it's maybe we should play a little bit of his voice, and yeah. so you can hear how, how he, he talks because he's a
1: very charismatic and problematic figure. I think mm. he's both,
0: yeah. This is a clip from his final uh video clip. So, uh, well, it's good to be king,
1: <laughs> maybe. maybe. Uh, I think uh, maybe I'm just like a little bizarre little person who walks back and forth, whatever you know. <laughs>
0: yeah so he
1: that laugh always gets to you that, like, <laughs> he's, <laughs> he's like chuckle it's, it's really quite spooky I found him a very I felt very sorry for him as a person and I also felt very like interested like he's very passionate about what he does but basically mm. I guess we'll t- I'll try and re- what I can remember from the documentary so he has um. Oh, what's the mental illness that he has
0: schizophrenia schizophrenia yeah.
1: and quite severe and mm-hmm. he lives for most of his life he lived in his pa- with his parents yeah and had he did work at some stage but i don't think he kept his job for very long no
0: no um so he was working i don't know if it was for hp or something um
1: I don't... oh no it was um a free not a 3d printer it was um he's trying to sell he made a, he made a 3d printer
0: yeah yeah he like made early 3d made, yeah before 3d printers were around he made this massive big machine yeah. which would carve out based upon computer Yeah, and he was algorithms. trying to sell it,
1: right? And no yeah, one, And yeah. no one would want to buy it. It no almost burnt
0: down his house, so yeah. he had to, like, sell it off and yeah. just, like, get rid of it.
1: Yeah, so he lives a pretty isolated existence, and he is, mm. like, constantly either posting things online – this is back in the day uh, – so he was either posting things on Reddit, on different um, programming ones, or there's another forum he was using oh, – I can't remember the name, but, like – Uh, Like all these Mm. different
0: programming programming groups,
1: and basically he would get banned because he would just be spruiking his own, advertising his own stuff over and over again. Mm. He would get into long arguments, and he argued with atheists a lot. So this is the other thing. He was very heavily Christian um, or religious.
0: Yeah, religious. I'm not sure if it was Christian, though. So he referred to himself as a Jew occasionally, Yeah. um, but he was anti-Semitic. Later yeah. as well, so <laughs> it's uh, very confusing. Yeah, he's very very strange. Um, he before all of this though, he um, so he's he released it in um, two thousand three, two thousand four. Starts mm-hmm. you know talking about different iterations. He said that he um, uh, started the project in nineteen ninety three, and then resurrected it later uh, in two thousand three. Released it. Um, before the religious stuff came about, he was claiming that CIA agents were oh, yeah. like monitoring him all the time. But and this is
1: like a common thread. This the sort of paranoia goes throughout his whole life, really, even yeah. to the end.
0: Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, his claim on the CIA was that they were in control of the Saudi king, <laughs> and that he killed a CIA. Yes, agent Yes, yeah, in very the 90s. early on. Yeah, um,
1: he refers back to it a couple of times as well.
0: Yeah. And then he says that he starts communing with God. And I might share a quote that he did on an early forum. Uh, And this is what he says. I am God's chosen programmer. He's endowed me with the divine intellect, like the authors of the Bible. It has no code. I did not write. It never runs code. I did not write. I'm the best programmer on the planet. I wrote a 64-bit compiler, assembler, kernel, debugger bootloader graphics library graphics editor editor tools like grep and a bunch of other demos including first person shooter and flight simulator I'm the best programmer on the planet that's why God chose me and that you should under- uh, that should help you understand there are two kinds of programmers those who have written compilers and those who haven't what sounds impossible for you is not impossible for me.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think that really nicely sums up his sort of attitude throughout. Like, because you know mm-hmm. he's he's a pretty problematic. He's very racist, so he, he gives the He yeah. says the n word constantly, and there's a few clips he does where he he's basically well in his future. Like as he gets older, he has a I don't know exactly what happens, but he has a fight with his dad. I think. And, it, and puts him in hospital.
0: Well, the police were called. And yeah. he assaulted his father. He assaulted
1: his father. And yeah. then he gets kicked out of home, basically. Yeah. And then just roams. He has a van and he, he kind of keeps posting videos and roams around the country in his van for a while. Then he mm. loses his van. But anyway, like there's this uh, on the video down the rabbit hole um, on Terry A. Davis on the Temple OS, He has this like he, this, um, uh, he has this fight with a... Oh, I can't even remember what I was saying. Mm. Do you remember that part where he starts having a fight with some a person of colour? Oh, oh yeah. yeah. that was really weird. Yeah, he's <laughs> sitting
0: on the side of the road. Right... <laughs> yeah. I, I found this problem, mate. I, I was really uncomfortable this Same. part. Where he's he's just sitting there, talking to the ca- camera, and he, he turns to a guy that's just walking down the street and says, hey, you know, N-word. Yeah. How are you? <laughs> and the guy goes up to him and is like, what, what, did what, you say? what the hell? <laughs> yeah. Why did you say that? Yeah. And... Like, they start having this fight. Yeah, it's, like, ho- it's horrible. It's real bizarre. He's very
1: combative about that yeah. sort of stuff. Um, but what is kind of interesting is this. So he creates this thing called the Oracle, where you can basically, you type in or you ask a question, and then it will do a, ru- a number generator, and that number will link to biblical text? Yeah. Yeah, which is really kind of funny. But he,
0: So that Oracle, he, the whole basis of it is to make an offering.
1: Yeah. yeah. So you have to draw a picture or something?
0: Or... So you make a comic. Yeah. This is what yeah. he <laughs> says. You make a comic and then you exchange that comic for a melody. Yeah. And that melody, you then put words to that melody based upon the, the RNG. Mm-hmm. And then that will make a hymn. So it's mixing the words and the melody mm-hmm. uh, and, and you know, together. And then that offering will be given and allow God to talk. Yeah. So it's trying to find... To try try and game basically two repositories plus an RNG um uh generated music source yeah. into one thing in order to try and garnish a message from God. Yeah. Uh, which is pretty interesting actually. Yeah. Like it's it's
1: He's worked it out. Like it's very specific. Like basically mm. if you do X, you should get X. Like it should happen. Oh
0: yeah yeah, no, if so if I add X and Y, yeah. I will potentially get Z um and i don't know what zed will be unless i do this process yeah. and that's the way that i can trust it but he he gets frustrated that sometimes he can't understand the messages
1: yeah exactly um, and he has this really kind of like a personal relationship with god where he thinks so he thinks he's like god's chosen program or he yeah. obviously thinks he's very important but not only that but he thinks that God sort of playful and plays pranks on him. So there's this story where he says that he went to the shop with a booger in his nose and he gets back and he's like, oh, God's playing a prank on me. Like, (laughs) I can't believe I was was so humiliated. And, you know, he thinks that, that, like, God purposely did that and that God kind of plays tricks with him. And the other thing I thought was really moving is, like, his connection with his bird like a period where he's one of his parrots is oh, dying right. yeah. and he's just like so put out with it like he shares this video and he's like so distraught because he and he just says how lonely he is he basically mm. has no contact with anyone except for his parents and yeah. people online really and his, birth. And, and his birds and the birds yeah
0: he, he when the birds start squeaking or squawking yeah. in the background he stops to let them talk yeah and then he'll say like you finished bird you know? <laughs> <laughs> um very, very strange. Um,
1: yeah, I felt pretty sorry for him because he gets quite bu- severely bullied as well. So basically, yeah. on his operating system, he had his phone number. So people would just call him. And his home address. And his home address, really yeah. easy to find. Mm. So people would just call him all the time while he was doing live well, streams. This and... was, uh,
0: so he he didn't have any notoriety at all Yeah. until the people of 4chan grabbed yeah. it. Yeah. Um, and he was making videos. Um, so programmer Diana Cowran... Um, yeah, so she the a programmer he became obsessed with her and then said that he's married to her.
1: Oh wait, wasn't this physics girl or whatever?
0: Well this is yeah, she's a programmer, of physics. Oh like physics. right. Yes. But yeah, so she'd yeah, do all just... these
1: videos of like her she was quite famous, right? And he mm. thought suddenly thought that they were in a relationship.
0: Yeah. Um <laughs> and married. And married. Yeah. yeah. So he <laughs> um would say that and then the people of Fortran got his phone number. Yeah. And someone acted as her.
1: Yeah, well, first I just ring him up constantly and argue with him about God or whatever. And then it sort of escalates to being pretending and impersonating her and sending, even Mm. sending him nudes and stuff like that. Yeah. And getting really involved. And right up until he he passed away, he kind of believed, semi believed that they were. married and in a relationship. Mm. But he'd go through page, like phases where sometimes he would kind of doubt it and then he'd believe it again That's and right. yeah. kind of like as his sort of mental illness would rise and fall and, and you know he'd mm. go through periods of being medicated and unmedicated and it would have yeah. an effect as well.
0: Well he, he as God's chosen um, and as so he creates this space which is the third temple mm-hmm. named after you know the first and yep. second temples of, of the, the Hebrew Bible um, and the Hebrew people so he is the chief priest, then of the third temple, yeah. and then he elevates himself to king. <laughs> um, and so I, I gather, if you're going down the rabbit hole that much, to use that term, mm-hmm. um, being potentially married to <laughs> it's someone, not a who, yet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, <laughs> particularly if you're getting something back, and that's what the people of Four Chan were, were doing.
1: Yeah, and um, they were totally like yeah I felt really sorry because yeah. he just obviously he it was easily for them to take advantage of him and mm. stuff like that and then yeah he he's he's homeless for a long time, but what I thought was so interesting is people would find him out, seek him out and like learn about computer programming and things like yeah, lunch s- and with him. Yeah. he's basically like a like a little um wandering teacher or something yeah. like it was yeah. kind of interesting, and then his speech starts to really start to slur mm. and then soon after Ooh.
0: that and that's when but before the ultimate yeah. he he then as he's starting to slur and and getting they down that path he starts to believe that he actually has mental telepathy with certain people. Oh yeah. Including Elon Musk.
1: Yeah. And he's um, there's this really weird clip where he like he, he's on the phone to like a few different people and he's yeah. like paging people in and he's like having this telepathic conversation yeah, with Yeah, but her. he's
0: filming himself on a phone yeah. and it's just there's nothing there like there is it's no so phone or anything to his ear. Yeah. He's just just moving his hand up as if he's talking to Oh yeah, but people.
1: even before then he he does all these videos for like a Google Programmer, right? He creates right. all these videos to try and like I forget the person's name, but each video is addressed to them so as he's as person. he's writing yeah. <laughs> as he's doing. It. He's like, here's here's another video showing you my programmer because yeah. he he basically for a long time has no success at all. Really, like no, no. one really knows who he is. He keeps tr- he keeps getting banned from these forums, and then something sort of happens and he suddenly becomes, I guess, more infa- infamous than famous mm. in a lot mm. of ways um, for being this very – because he would fight atheists all the time. He would post on things, purposely try and engage them, but his texts were really um, incoherent. Like yeah. it would just be br- like ramblings, basically. It would be copy and pasting. I, it almost was like he was copy and pasting from a random word generator or yeah. some of the weird hymns that he's created where none of it would really make much sense. But it would be like, checkmate, atheists. <laughs> like, it was just this like rambling message. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. So he's a really interesting guy. And I think the documentary really highlights, like, every aspect of it. I think it's quite, quite a nice portrayal. It's not too bad, too negative or too positive. It looks like it was a pretty... No, it's an honest thing. Honest I,
0: I I did find it very uncomfortable. His racist tirades yeah. and his anti-Semitism and such. So like, it was it's not good. And also, you know, it's clear that he is not well and he's unmedicated. Um,
1: yeah. It's hard to watch. Mm,
0: it is hard to watch. But he's... It's very interesting how his his skill is amazing to, yeah. to be able to program like that on your own to develop something like that. Well,
1: he's the best programmer. <laughs> he's number one. He's, yeah, he's in number, the whole world.
0: And there is a potential. He like yeah. if as one person. You usually have whole teams to do that. Like a compiler is a hard thing to develop. And generally, everyone is relying on the same type of compilers. Um, this is something he's he's done on his own.
1: Yeah, no, it's that's the sort of message I got too, is that he just seemed really lonely as well. Like it, with coming with this kind of uh, genius, if you want to call it that, or this like, I don't know, um, drive to code and to be a programmer and produce. It's like a sacrifice. And I think he felt like yeah. he had sacrificed a lot to be able to create this. He felt a calling to create Temple OS and that that was his life mission and that he could get a normal job or he could t- meet more people but mm. he needed to just focus on that and that kind of obsession and I think at the end he felt very isolated and alone and and you know his only connection was people on the internet and a lot of those people were either arguing with him or making fun of him or impersonating yeah. these people and it just felt really sad
0: as well yeah yeah totally um, um, he has a bit of a cult following now though yeah um, so people do recognize him that quite wonderful uh, I've noticed on a lot of the YouTube um, clips of his his speeches or even on the documentary um, uh, there's people like wishing him well in 16 bit heaven as as God would actually want um, things to be which is in um, 640 by 480 resolution which is the small resolution that the um, operating system was based on, um, limited colours and such. So yeah, people offering him almost prayers. Atheists these people are and they admit so but they just hope that he has some some oh yeah amount cause, of peace'cause
1: he's he uh that's sort of towards the end of his life after he'd spent a lot of time uh roaming and being homeless without his car he there's he either passed away I don't think they know exactly how he died, mm. but it looked like he could have also committed suicide he fell he got hit by a train yes. so either he wandered on it or he was hit by it. People aren't really sure, yeah. no, but it wasn't a very good ending. He basically went missing, I think, for a little while as well. Yeah. And then it came out. I think a family member shared a post and everyone thought it was fake that somebody yeah. had done like another prank. Yeah. But it was true. And like his family were really upset. And I think they set up um,
0: some charity, a charity for yeah, mental or, health. Yeah. And that's through the Temple OS. So Temple OS is still available and calendable yeah. online. So you can still download it. Uh, and install it on your computer, either by using Wine or something like that, um, or you could, I mean, if you want a cheap computer, <laughs> you, you just want to put that on there, you could actually install it. I, I've heard that the installer actually is real bad. Like, <laughs> it's real hard, actually, to do. Yeah. Um. But yeah, you can do that all, and then there's a charity on yeah. there. Um, That's yeah.
1: That's why, uh, the other thing I want to talk about is, I watch this documentary last night called um, incels which Mm. is involuntary celibates so basically I'm sure everyone's heard of it um, of them they're Mm. like an online started as an online community very anti uh, women and now it's kind of progressing to uh, activism and violence outside of the internet sphere Mm. and they share reshare the videos and all the people that have done uh, I forgot the gentleman's name who who drove through in America he drove through drove on the sidewalk and killed I think four women He was aiming to kill a whole sorority. He was going to go in and murder all the women in a sorority, but he ended up on the way there. I think killing women instead. Um, But basically, he's totally idolized in the community, and there's all these songs and stuff that they've recreated. And then, so they interview people about it, and be like, "Well, why did you create all these like videos, like sort of um, promoting this guy that did Mm -hmm. this horrible thing?" Like, "Oh, it's just a joke, or it's just like." It's funny, and and it's a really fine line between shitposting and taking the piss out of something mm-hmm. and valorizing it, and where they draw that line is really kind of confusing. Yes. And there was a guy called Catfish Man. <laughs> it's like, So, it, yeah, this weird, weird... The thing with incels is there's such a wide range, so you could just... Basically, say anyone that hasn't had sex for, like, six months. Generally, it's mm-hmm. young men, young American men, that are pretty, like, lonely. So they interviewed three different guys, and one of them was this catfish guy uh, who... Would uh, set up a profile on Tinder of this pretty attractive guy, all these photos from um, found online, mm-hmm. and meet them, and then be like, "Ha ha, it's me!" Like, <laughs> you know, you, you're a shallow, you know, bitch. Like, why would you come here? And like harass these women. The women like, well, you don't look like what I was expecting. Like, and they leave, and he's like, ha-ha, it's kind of like, this is why, why like, he's so bitter and resentful because women have scorned him that this is his way of payback. So he films these little videos, shares it on the online incel community, and they're all like, yeah, good job, buddy, because... It's all about these like mini little acts of activism they can do to sort of like get back at women for spurning them. So some of them will do things like not purposefully like a woman will try and get it through the door, not open it for them or something if she's stuck, and it's like haha like you expected me to open the door for you. It's really petty shit. Wow. These people are very angry and resentful. But yeah, anyway, so this cat there was this catfish guy, and then there was another guy who seemed really nice that just wants to find a girlfriend, maybe not like as traditionally attracted, had a quite feminine look. And like was perfectly nice, but he's still part of like, considers himself incel. So there's a big range. There's Mm, sort of like mm. people that just, you know, find some sort of sense of connection with all these other men and some women, mostly men that can't find partners and find dating really hard and blah, blah, blah. And then there's people like the catfish guy is just an absolute asshole, you know, Mm. and they just dehumanize women. They obviously don't know many women other than their mum, and they just use this sort of excuse to try and propagate all this hate but what the documentary does and it's i think was bbc quite recent documentary is it just shows that um can does that violence that you see on like 4chan and 8chan and reddit you know does it propagate more violence does it make us desensitized to it so that it's a quicker step to be and i'm not saying gaming necessarily creates violence but these kind of videos and songs that they create to kind of mimic like either pay out or support these killers that mm. have murdered people, mm. does that then bring them closer to going out and doing it? And so it and they're really sensitizes. jumping that line really easily. And sure. that's what's so scary. is because it's not just acts uh, on Reddit saying, look at this bitch and sharing photos. It's going out and finding women and, and purposely catfishing them or killing them. You know what, yeah. what I mean? Yeah, it's really scary how easily they've made that jump and they feel a real sense of connection. It's really scary. Yeah. I don't know what the solution is.
0: Well, this is the the thing that you hear um, proponents of free speech saying that, well, it's your fault that you get offended by this and I should be able to yeah. say whatever I like. Yeah. Whereas I don't think that the original um, advocates for freedom and free speech, so whether you're talking in an American context of you know, founding fathers or the, the people that yeah. did amendments and such... Um, or people that are idolized um throughout the wars and creating um uh, yeah, um world corporations or you know the u n or whatever mm. um and statutes that actually followed thereafter I don't think that they'd be propagating so that someone can sit there online and be a racist bastard yeah um or a sexist bastard like i I, I think that technology has changed and changed significantly um, so that, yeah, you had those discussions in um, private spaces previously, and even private spaces um, in a small public forum, social pub or something Mm -hmm. like that. But now you've got thousands of people engaging with these things. Yeah. Uh, And I think it's a problem.
1: Yeah, I think there should be repercussions. And yeah. and that should be that you, you can say what you want, but then you have to be prepared for the repercussions mm-hmm. and the people not liking what you say. I mean, if yeah. you were in a pub and you just went up to someone and said like... You're a fat bitch, and they punch you in the face. That's a repercussion, right? Because yeah. you, yeah, you're allowed to say what you want, but that person's also allowed to say, pull you up on it, and say that was really rude, and you're not mm. supposed to talk to people like that. Mm. But that level of accountability is no longer really in these forums because no one's going on these in uh, incel forums and going, hey, you guy, like, yeah. like this isn't the way to treat women. Like maybe they are, and they'll just get like downvoted or kicked well, out yeah, of the forum or they get booted. Um, so
0: it's like, or you get you get slammed even further. And this is the the problem that you're seeing are, uh, you're seeing a vast amount of people that are the types of people that, um, to t- t- typify them into, or uh, to portray them in a t- certain typology rather, mm. um, it is the people that um, in extreme cases of violence, whether you get Holocaust or, you know, other sorts of perpetuated violence, they're the bystanders that do nothing at all. Mm-hmm. Um, the law still hasn't caught up on these things. As much as we've got some... Um, protections from online um, bullying it still hasn't
1: no they just say it's a joke oh it's irony oh it's just a joke I didn't mean it you know and then it's like well there's some people that are taking this very seriously and it should be taken seriously because it's so harmful and if you're so maybe you haven't gone out and plowed down the street and killed those women but you're sharing a re-video where you're re-edited and it's like saying like you know, driving down the street, like, gonna, you know, it's like yeah. you are engaging with that, but yeah. there's no repercussion. You can't, you can't even often you can't even find these people. But, mm. like, how do you connect with with this community and say, like, I don't know what the answer is. Like, and in the v- documentary, they're kind of like, oh, well, we need to find those people and, and give them help and like, you know,
0: it's a game because
1: they're having them. a lot of them have mental health issues.
0: Yeah, but it's a game for them. That's yeah, the thing. a lot of them don't have mental health issues. No. So this is I. I like the context I'm speaking from is someone who has been bullied online. Yeah. Um, you know, as a public figure, that happened to me. Mm-hmm. Some of the people that bullied me online were recipients mm-hmm. of awards of service to their community, mm-hmm. like ex-vets. Yeah. People that um, are seen as as heroes in their community, then said in the next breath online in a closed, um, you know, Facebook groups or. or um, forums. Oh, you know. Yeah, I saw him crossing the street with his son. Um, uh, next time I do, I'm gonna speed up. Yeah, like it's not. It's horrible. It's terrible. It's a terrible thing to say. And those people don't have mental illness yeah. issues. Is it's a real. Just,
1: it's real animalistic, isn't it? It's yeah. like it's like they kind of like grab on. It's really That's horrible. Right.
0: And I became a product. This is what took me such a long time to understand that the Ben Benastic of you know the column's know the guy that we right all there. know and yeah. love, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> um, that people didn't know me yeah, and nor did they care. I became, my name and my identity, my face itself became a product for them to engage mm-hmm. with in a way that they wanted to. And this is the same with Terry A. Davis and the same with these women. They're dehumanised. Yeah. They, they, they become are, non-human. That's right. They are products. Yeah. And so it becomes an us and an other. And that other then, you can do whatever you like to yeah. because it is seen as fair game. And that's one of their calls, you know, um, early, early calls, you know, that this is fair game now or this person is marked as fair game.
1: Yeah. Um. um the guy yeah. is Elliot Roger. So he was the guy who did the incel self shootings. Mm -hmm. And then the documentary is called Inside the Secret World of Incels on BBC. I think you can access it for free. We'll put the link on. But I don't know. It's it's something like I feel both sorry for them Mm. somewhat, but also obviously very... um, disgusted by it as well and it's it fits in both because a lot of them are lonely they don't know many women they feel spurred by society and they're like in this little bubble of self-hatred and self-loathing and everything so there's that factor and then there's the other factors that they're just also really hot there's horrible aspects of it as well I don't know it's hard to even define I
0: don't
1: know what the answer is but I think We'll stop talking about incels and we'll talk about further this othering because I think it kind of moves in nicely with, you know, what is the other and with the story we've read at the moment.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. a lot uh, But for, before we go to that, um, I think we'll close off Temple OS yes. with uh, a remix version of the intro <laughs> theme that we entered into um, this discussion with yep. uh, that I stumbled across online. Uh, and I think that this is the best thing ever. <laughs> it's amazing. Uh, so enjoy. So that was Temple OS, a, um, a remix version of the the, <laughs> the theme. Um, yeah, it's amazing. Now, Axolotl by Julio Cortazar, uh, A short story.
1: Very short, yeah. Very so short story. Anyone yeah. should be able to read it. I think it's only like two pages.
0: Yeah, at max. It's not very long at all. So the story starts with uh, Julio Cortezza. um, He's an author, 1914 to 84. Um, And he uh, writes, uh, it's a really interesting story, of someone who comes across an axolotl. um, In Paris. In Paris, yep. And feels drawn to make some sort of um, looking connection. Well, first he goes place. in
1: to try and see the other animals. So he goes yeah. in to see like the the jaguars, but they were up to true form. And then so he sort of stumbles into the axolotl kind of area. And then he yeah starts to yeah. form his deep obsession really with the axolotl. Yeah, yeah.
0: And and if you haven't seen an axolotl, it's a, a fish, or is it an amphibian? I don't it's,
1: know. Uh, ooh, I don't know either. I thought it was a reptile,
0: but really. Okay. I don't know. So we've got three options <laughs> fish, uh, reptile. Oh, Mexican
1: walking fish. It's
0: a fish? I know. It's oh, cool. it's
1: not a fish, it's an amphibian. You're right. Amphibian.
0: Okay, yeah. cool. So it's an amphibian. Um,
1: and it's a larval phase of the salamander, I think. Don't know.
0: I know those are three words <laughs> you just said. But uh, Mexican it's... walking fish,
1: anyway. And yeah. they're weird looking. I'm sure people have seen them before. They're really kind of freaky looking animals.
0: Yeah, they look like mudkip. It's a Pokemon, <laughs> if you know what Mudkip is. Um, I like Mudkips. Uh, and it's got, it doesn't have eyes on the side of its head like a fish does, because it, it's an amphibian. Its eyes are like in the front.
1: Yeah, and it normally lives in really dark kind of environment, so I don't even think it can see very well. Mm. I think it's often in sort of like subterranean little caves and things like that. Yeah. Um, but it, they can. Could... just
0: <laughs> ring her eyes like am just me. pretending. <laughs>
1: just, <laughs> like trying to get into the mind yeah. of the axolotl and they've got these cute little like fibrils coming off their heads like little like tentacles yeah. not tentacles but like gill fibril things and, and because
0: it's an amphibian like a frog it's got like a wide mouth that always looks like it's smiling <laughs> <laughs> like, it's got this smirk yeah um anyway so yeah the the author um writes from the per- first person perspective and he stares into the axolotl's face
1: yeah. And he keeps coming back each time. So he revisits the axolotls over and over again. And there's a quote where um, I think the zookeeper says, you eat them alive with your eyes. Hey, the guard said laughing. He likely thought I was a little cracked. So like he's literally coming in and just staring really intensely
0: mm. at the mm.
1: axolotls that even the zookeeper sort of noticed. Um, and it's a really sweet little story. I mean, do you want to say what that happens in the end?
0: Ah uh, well, I'll stay. But start the, yeah. the start of it because I, I love the the intro. Yeah, that that intro line is I think one of the best. Um, so there was a time where I had I thought a great deal about axolotls. I went to see them in the aquarium at the Jardin de Betins and stayed for hours watching them, observing their immobili- immobility, their faint movements. Now I am. An axolotl.
1: Yeah, it's really cool. That's so good. So basically, through this obsession and, and watching the axolotls for such a long time, he realizes that he sort of sees his own reflection in the glass and then sort of, I guess, embodies an axolotl and ends up within the body of the axolotl. Yeah, he
0: doesn't know where the axolotl starts or ends yeah. and where he starts or ends. It becomes this, this aspect of sameness.
1: Yeah, and, and it sort of... So I read a kind of interesting little article about it, looking at the Dialogue of Gazers, um, called Dialogue of gazes, Metamorphosis and Epiphany in Giulio Cartaz's Axolotl. Mm. And it sort of talks about some of his other work, which he writes about um, Theseus and the Minotaur. And he, he, in one of his plays called, I think, The Kings um he has this uh relationship oh he sort of looks at the killing of the minotaur of like killing nature and killing um that sort of animalistic aspects of yourself and he mm. sort of brings in these same themes in axolotl where the axolotl represents both nature and something beyond nature something mm. because when he comes in he he could be connected with nature through the monkey and he talks about the monkey's features being similar could be connecting with the panther, could be connecting with the other animals. But he chooses the axolotl, and I think it's because it's so alien-looking. It has no animalistic character. You see a monkey, you can kind of see the evolutionary link, but with an axolotl, they look so alien. I think he forms a sort of almost different connection, and at the end, he can't separate himself
0: from the axolotl. The human face?
1: No, I don't don't really read it as that. I mean, he says that it's sort of human-like, but um, this article says... The metaphysical truth espoused here is the axolotl's conclusion. If I think like a man, it's only because every axolotl thinks like a man inside his rosy stone semblance. Equations of identity are, of course, re- reversible. If axolotl equals man, then man equals axolotl, and the circle of being is complete. Yes. So there's no separation between
0: man and axolotl. So yeah. it's this human face, this sameness.
1: But also, I think it represents nature as well. I mean, that's how I interpret it Yeah. as right. well. Both that's interesting. The natural world. As well, and because he writes a lot about the animalistic kind of nature and the minotaur, in the story of the minotaur, I think at the end it sort of says, if you kill me, you kill like everything, and you'll be isolated. So by mm, killing the, yeah. trying to separate yourself from nature, you disconnect as well. So I think so, that's yeah. sort of how I interpret it. Yeah,
0: yeah, no, I understand. So this uh, and th- this is where the key is, and I read stories in a certain way. So Tara, through the week, you said to me, "What the hell are we reading this for? What <laughs> the hell am I going to talk about?" Yeah. Um, and then I shared an article or an essay I wrote um quite early on, um in uh like I guess my academic pursuits, which was on um sameness and difference, uh looking at a um explanation and um comparative assessment of looking at the face of the other. And I did a comparison between Martin Buber and, and Emmanuel Levinar. Mm-hmm. Um so Buber um, coined the phrase, boober's a very difficult... Oh, actually, he's not, not too hard. Levinar uh, is probably harder to read. Buber is okay to read. Derrida is the, the hard one. <laughs> um, so Buber looks at this Ich and Du or Ich um, and s relationships. So Ich and Du is the I and the thou, and Ich and s is the I and the it. Now, both of those modes require a way of engaging but seeing a difference with the other. Um, so to give you just a little bit of explanation of that, so ik and s, I and it is if I treat you as an object to an ends. Um, whereas ik and du, I and thou, is treating you as a you, mm-hmm. but not as the same as me. Mm-hmm. All right, Booba says, you know, you really should actually have these conversations. He comes to this um, um, decision of, of having these type of relationships because he actually batted off an engagement with a student because he was an academic. Mm-hmm. Um, and this student came with him and wanted to ask him these questions. He ends up giving these menial answers, thought nothing of it, and then the student dies. And mm-hmm. he was he was moved by this um, because he could never actually go back to that conversation and actually quantify what he meant and try and give the student perhaps what he was after mm-hmm. um so he has these i and thou relationships and he says you should have it all the time um Buber would have been exhausting trying to you know be behind um in the queue of going to the supermarket, because he probably would have said, you know, it's really going on with you, you know, today, you know, actually engaging with right, the, the yeah, checkout person, like really getting into it. Mm. Now Levinas, Levinas is, is looking at the relationship of the other as a matter of sameness. So I should see myself in you, mm-hmm. um, and we should share a gaze and then not be separated from that gaze. <laughs> right? Please stop staring at me. (laughs) We just made eye contact. Which is weird. People don't really do that anymore, do we? No, no, we don't. Um, and yeah, we, we, we record this podcast not facing each other at all. (laughs) 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 Um, so it's this, this aspect of, um, yeah, we, we, we are shared in this experience Mm -hmm. and it's this matter of sameness. Um, and then you have Derrida who takes both of those aspects and coins the phrase difference and that's and the He's
1: purposely saying difference weird.
0: Yeah, he <laughs> his, he got difference in the French dictionary. Okay. And they it's really hard to actually coin a new French word because yeah. it's not done. And so they go, they organise to go out for dinner and his mother is there and they say oh we're going out to dinner today because you know difference has been added to the to the dictionary. And his mother's like, You you spelled difference with an A? Why did you spell it wrong? <laughs> this, this momentous thing and yeah. you know, she didn't read any of his philosophy or yeah, that's so it's, funny. It's very wholesome
1: So you are purposely saying difference with. Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
0: So he does that. Um and that difference is it's a mode of um eternal difference. A mode of um deferral of meaning. So uh I what that means is if I define tree, and I say okay, the word tree means that it's made up of branches and leaves and wood and all of these things.
1: Wait, hang on, is this going to somehow link to that like um, ap- apathetic kind of like? A little bit. Yeah, We're going. We're <laughs> like, going down there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So
0: you've got the tree, and yep. the tree is based upon wood. Yeah. And leaves and uh, branches.
1: It's <laughs> indescribable. Yeah. I think I yeah. know where you go.
0: <laughs> so then what is wood? Wood is based upon, um, you know, whatever was been defined. It's a, it's a material which floats. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then, but what is float? Okay. Float means sitting on a body of water. What is water? So all of these things, these, these words actually are only given meanings which are almost that thing. Yeah. So tree is made up term as all of these different things. Now. If I engage with the world, um with the assumption of things as matters of actuality, I'm not actually representing what the world is fully representative as.
1: So you so, mean the indescribable that you can't that's right. describe it. Like God. Yes, like
0: God <laughs> and like the axolotl here yep. in Julio Cortesar. So I read this as as a philosophical text, mm-hmm. um and I'm interested to hear uh how you you thought of it in the, um, what did you say then? Connection to nature. Yeah, naturistic, which is is still like reading into it into another Mm. level and another reading. So you're still reading it as almost a philosophical text.
1: Yeah, I think, uh, yeah, I don't know. I like the story and I like the connection to nature and animals because obviously that's for me what I also am am connected with and the Mm. fact that he couldn't tell the difference between the two in the end because I mean you look into the eyes of any animal and I feel like you think that they they know things or that they they're sentient and then they have a connection yeah. with that but it's also so different to our sentience but you think that they can hear you and talk and mm-hmm. listen and but they're quite removed and I think the is like that as well and I guess I found that kind of interesting and that that the, the, the it's like a paradox cuz axolotl both knows everything but can't speak yes. so it's like this Whereas we can speak, but don't know anything. And I think there was that parallel between the two as well. It's yeah. like a, it's something almost divine. And I think that's sort of what he looks at. And and then he starts to lose interest, right? And that's when, well, somebody comes and visits. It's sort of like a weird mirroring. We don't know whether he's left and stopped looking at the axe or he's definitely become one of the axe levels. I didn't mm-hmm. fully understand mm-hmm. where it ended, but I, I kind of liked that connection to nature and especially reading some of his other interests with looking at the minotaur and and i thought that's sort of maybe where he was kind of going with it but other people have read it and just look at just the fascination aspect so look at um fascination and how it's about the gaze and being held by the gaze of the axolotl and being like transfixed Mm. through um certain images or artwork and how he as an artist creates this level of like Mm. infixiation with the process. So I think there's a multiple ways you can read it. I don't think it's like black or white.
0: No, no, definitely not. Um, but the the story definitely does unlock um, other ways to read. Yeah, definitely. Um, and yeah, I think that what I think it is, uh, yeah, I think this is a good entry point to engaging with a fictional tale or a short story yep. and then seeing different levels or different aspects, like almost peeling away an onion with those different yeah. ways to interpret it. We're all coming from a different experience, obviously, so we can bring in other thinkers to it as well. Um, but how you said, uh, <laughs> just as a side um, note, when you said you don't understand what the axolotl is thinking because it's looking, um, yeah, Derrida um mentions that when he was naked in front of his cat yeah. going to the the um the shower. Yeah. And the cat's just staring at him. <laughs> like he just gets shaken by this thing. Like what, what is this <laughs> Yeah, what is the thinking? Yeah. <laughs> and I think we've had that like as animal owners, like you have these things. Like I woke up yesterday, um, I was exhausted from the weekend and stuff and then so I tried to have a sleep in yesterday, which is unusual for me. And I got mm-hmm. woken up at eight o'clock in the morning because um, Pitta, one of the cats, had climbed up into the top of Jody's side of the cupboard. <laughs> so I jumped from the bed to the dresser, to the dresser, to the top of the cupboard. Mm-hmm. And I hear this noise at the top of the cupboard. I'm like, what the hell is that noise? <laughs> and then I open my eyes and there's Pitta just staring down at me, mm-hmm. like, you know, about three metres above the air, <laughs> you know, two and a half metres yeah. above the air. Um, just perched, looking at me. <laughs> and like, what the hell is it looking at? <laughs> like, yeah. um, it's
1: the same when cats look at stuff that's not there and you think it's like a ghost. You're like, when they start yeah. suddenly get transfixed by <laughs> just like a spot on the wall, you're just yeah. like, what are you looking at? Like <laughs> it Could be know. just a bit of dust or yeah. it could be
0: like a smell that it's just yeah. concentrating on. Um,
1: but I've, but just in yeah. connecting with people, I find mm. it weird. Like when you get on, on public transport, I'm always like looking around and seeing and so many people like you can't even really meet anybody's gaze anymore because everyone's yeah. looking down, either reading or – and I'm often the same but on their iPhone or something. But mm. like we lose so many connections, I think, with people like every mm. day and I think that's really sad. I think that creates a sense of isolation or mm. like loneliness because I get so much joy – you know, you get a lot of joy from sharing small little micro – Moments with people, even if it's just passing, like somebody opens the door and you go, oh, thanks for that. You know, that's Mm. like a tiny Mm -hmm. little moment where you've just connected very briefly to that person. And so when you're talking about all these different ways of understanding the other, and I think that those moments it's kind of sad that those get lost and I and I, I miss those connections because I think mm. if you didn't have many people in your life and you were catching those trains and buses and stuff you don't get any of those like older people like I always try and help old people either on the bus or off the bus yeah. and they sit with me and I try and have a chat when I came with them because it's just like that's sometimes maybe their only trip outside the house yeah. and they don't have you don't know what's going on with them mm. and I don't know. Makes we did that sad. with the store as well like yeah.
0: having having a game store which does not have, um, uh, well, it's got people of of certain social anxiety levels that come in quite regularly. Um, Yeah, that makes sense. uh, But you can have really joyous, funny moments, Mm. you know, when you say something stupid like, you know, do you want a bag with that? And you've given them that you're handing them the bag (laughs) or, you know, you you do silly things like that because you're in this repetitive mode and, you you know, it's just like this, particularly if you admit the fault. Yeah. For the person, like it can be quite joyous and funny. Yeah, um, yeah, and I think that that human uh, expression is is quite. Uh, amazing
1: yeah times. definitely and at work yesterday uh, I was like just a woman was waiting in the waiting room she asked me to photocopy one of the magazines we have these really daggy magazines at work that have been like there for ages they're like some of them are from really? like 2003 or something yeah <laughs> anyways but on the back page of them there's jokes so she asked me to photocopy the joke page <laughs> to share them with someone and then so I read we read the jokes together and like oh, it was like so a funny. nice moment and so when we're talking about you know how we understand the other and whether we see them as a connection uh, as a like ourselves, or do we looked at them as the other I think that's really interesting mm, I think mm. I just think those connections are really important and I get a lot of yeah you get a lot of joy it's like it's like you remember that it helps you just remember that you're in a space with other people I think yeah. we get so self-absorbed with our yeah. own realities and our own lives and our own connections that you almost forget other people even exist yeah, so yeah. I think it's nice to reconnect
0: really mm, yeah. well
1: so, Yeah, go out from the bus, look up from your iPhone, look up from your phone, and try and kind of maybe have an experience with somebody. Consensual. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah.
0: (laughs) consent matters. Yeah. All right. Uh, I think that ends Mm -hmm. the day. Uh, Well, thank you for joining us. Uh, Next week, we are going to be looking at uh, one of my favorite games of all time, uh, which is Journey by That Game Company. Yep. That's the name of the company. Yep. it's kinda cool. Uh Jenova Chen is the main um, creator of, of Journey. Uh, and we have oh, I've played it on PlayStation three and four, so mm-hmm. it doesn't really matter what you and play. And if you it
1: can't on. find if you don't want to get the game, you can always watch this. I'm sure there's heaps of YouTube videos on yes. about it. You get like a little taste of what the game is. Tara's gonna play it, like. it this week. Yeah, I haven't played it yet, so
0: And if you play on PlayStation Four there's a potential you can play together.
1: Ooh, I might even be playing with you. We might yes. share voice tones, <laughs> music tones. Well, a single, single note. Single <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> yeah. note. Yeah. Yes. Uh,
0: and we also, what are we reading?
1: Uh, we're reading uh, The Call of Cthulhu.
0: Mm, not very pronounced. Cthulhu.
1: Yeah. By uh, H.P. Yeah. Lovecraft. Mm. So yes. uh, we'll send a link to that. I think you can access it online so I'm going to read that.
0: Yeah, there's many places you could even um, I, I've been studious and I'm a little bit ahead. Um, there is uh, audio books um, yep. for free to download. It will take you about uh, an hour and a half mm-hmm. to read the entire thing. Um, and it's an awesome thing. Cool. Uh, but yeah, until next week.
1: Yep, thanks guys. bye.
0: Bye.